This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agopymatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matching tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Matchmaker Maria. And while you're at it, follow the podcast at Ask a Matchmaker and of course my company at Agave Match. I'll include those links in my bio, but it's good to follow because this way you know every single Wednesday when a new episode drops, you get notified. This week's guests, that's right, plural, is former clients, Elena and Amanda. Uh, I decided for this week, I want to talk to people who have done our programs. I think I feel like I'm constantly talking about the dating refresh and the agape intensive, and I want my listeners to finally kind of know about what I do from people that I already work with. So Elena, Amanda, welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Hi. Yes, thank you for having us. I'm so excited. I've been actually really wanting to do something like this or even let you know that you should do something like this because I think it's awesome to get feedback. And even some people I know who know I've done the intensive were like, why haven't we heard from, you know, former clients to get the idea of what, what it's about and experience. So I'm excited. Yeah. When I saw your name pop up in my inbox, I was very honored and excited (laughs) because I have a lot to say and I've been saying it to people I know. So now I get to say it to even more people who I don't know, but I feel like everyone I meet in your community, I feel like I know them already. So yeah, that's, that's the word community. I feel I was, it's funny you say that because like today I was saying this to a woman. So we have, um, we have at the time that we're recording this, when this is heard, it would have already happened. But when we're recording this, this is one week before my retreat to Greece in on the island of Paros. And uh, two women, they joined really late, right? And in these two women, I was trying to explain to them, like, we have to give you a crash course intensive <laughs> before you attend so that you are in the same dating philosophy as everyone else. Because I think that is what happens when we talk about like the community i think that Mm -hmm. there is a group of women in this case who just subscribe to the same dating philosophy of you know understanding compatibility understanding chemistry and being able to articulate better their boundaries Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like it's good to be around other people like that i think especially when you're looking for new dating experiences that's at least my take as the person leading the community oh i also i also would add like during the intensive, we're also vulnerable with each other. So when I meet other people who've been through the intensive, it's like you can just cut past all the small talk and like get immediately intense. Like me and Amanda met, we were not in the same intensive and we got deep so quick because we're just like more fluent in that vocabulary. So I think we have a similar values. And then you also kind of taught us how to talk about these things in a way that's productive. Yeah. Elena, when did you do the intensive? I did it last October. Yeah. October, 20, October 21. 21. Yeah. I did it April 21. And I think it's, I think exactly what you said is so true because like we were months apart in our intensive like month. And then we met in December on Maria's birthday and I feel like we clicked immediately. And then we saw each other again a few months later, you know, we follow each other on social and we text each other once in a while. I was on our Instagram live and, you know, we see each other like every you know, now and then, but then we saw each other, I don't know, I want to say like a month or so ago when you had another get together, Maria. And um, we just clicked and we started talking about our experiences and what has happened in those, what, three, four months of even less seeing each other in person, which I thought was so cool. So let's take a step back for a second and just explain what the Agape Intensive is. Um, So that's one of two coaching programs. The other coaching program is the Dating Refresh. Um, And in the Dating Refresh, you would receive access to the Agape Intensive. And the Agape Intensive is a small group boot camp, if you will. It's a virtual boot camp. 
Uh, it's three days, nine hours, so three hours each day, where um, where I, with um, the cooperation, of, like cooperation, the partnership, I don't know what the right word here is, uh, with Chrisula, Matchmaker Chrisula, who happens to be my sister, uh, we take our, we call them our girls, but we take our groups through understanding um, compatibility, understanding triggers, understanding uh, myths and realities in dating, like clarifying those things. Uh, we give them a crash course in attachment theory and understanding like what that means when it comes to you know long-term compatibility. And we also deeply invest time in understanding um, like where, okay, so now that we know, I think so much of the course focuses on fixing the picker and understanding like how to articulate who you're looking for and then in the last session we talk about where you're going to find this person like here here's what you're going to do it's kind of we give basically a social roadmap of you know extending your network to help you meet new people so now that we know what the agape intensive is i'd love to learn how did you hear about this so my road to the agape matchmaking intensive actually began when i was in college and i maria came to columbia and she gave a speech and I heard all about like her dating what? philosophy and matchmaking. Yeah, but I wait. Was... What year was this? I don't this even must remember. This must have been like twenty twelve or twenty eleven. You came to Columbia. This is and how long I've been like, I've been promoting. I mean, we've been doing yeah. coaching since two thousand twelve. So yeah, that's that that must that have been checks then. out. I think. Right, yeah. but I wow. was like twenty one, twenty two, and so the idea of like dating for marriage just seemed like so far off. I was dating for adventure. You know, I was dating for the story. So I wasn't ready to hear your message, but when I was in the pandemic, life slowed down. I actually had to like, think about my patterns, think about why I kept getting, getting into situations with the same kind of guy. And my friend sent me your profile and I was like, I know matchmaker Maria. I remember her like in uh, <laughs> my big five Greek running. I remember you. Okay. So that, yeah. that was my moment. And I started following you and I just was like, if, if suddenly I was able to be receptive to your ideas. And I realized that I really did need to like reframe my approach. And, um, I had you on my podcast, on my book podcast. And then I just sort of like started following you more and more. And my sister and I ended up both doing the intensive at the same time, along with you and your sister. So that was fun. Girl power, sister power. And yeah, I just, I feel like a lot of my dating story just has to do with timing and I would say the same thing has to do with how I came to you. They are all intertwined, but I really was like ready to hear you at the right, at the time when I was, I started listening to you when I was ready to hear you, if that makes sense. Oh, that totally makes sense. I love that. Gosh. Um, what year was your first GGE podcast? 2018. So I started following you after that podcast Oof. and I've been a super avid fan telling everyone to follow you. These are her rules. Um, I wasn't, I don't have a lot of rules. Okay. But like the, the dress rule or the, the color the rule. Philosophies, the, yeah. Okay. Those the are theories, better. That's the a better word. hundred percent yeah. better rule. The theories, the philosophies, I'm preaching the philosophies 24 mm seven. -hmm. So, um, you know, fast forward to the pandemic because I wasn't really, you know, prioritizing dating up until then started prioritizing dating more. And I went on this one date in April or no March, 2021. And I got stood up and I've never been stood up before. And I oh was like, God. I was, was like, he okay, from, like I... online dating world. Yeah, it was online ahead? dating. Okay. And, um, I called my mom and I was like, you're never going to believe what happened. And she goes, you know, that's so annoying. And like literally the next day later, she goes, let's call Maria. Let's, you know, figure out how to like, you know, screw this, um, the online dating world, let's get you a matchmaker. And I was like, okay, let's figure it out. I don't really know what to do. So she's the one who actually figured out about the dating refresh. And, you know, I got, we signed up for that. And that's how we got to be part of the intensive. And uh, then we did the dating refresh right afterwards. And so the dating refresh for those listening is where um, part of that includes also three months of online dating management. So someone took over Amanda's profile um, and helped her, you know, not experience any of the dating fatigue that can come with online dating and just experience the dates. Okay. So, so, you know, you did the agape intensive and then um, it's like funny, both of you did not enter relationships immediately, but it was 
to me as a viewer of your process, I could suddenly see that you were utilizing some of the things you were both were very public. And this is why I called you on to this episode today. You were both so public about your journeys. Like you were telling people like, Hey, I did this intensive and here's what I learned. And you know, you were just like you mentioned before, like you were telling your friends or whatever. And I could see the, like the failures and I could see the success, like in both of your journeys. And I don't want to say failures. That's not the right word, but it is because I'm trying to like binary here, like kind of success and failure, you know, trying to balance it here. But I could see where you were dating and you could quickly, I felt like you were making decisions quicker on, oh shit, this is not going to work. Let's do it this way now. I, I have to say that before, when you were describing the intensive, one of the biggest things people, when people ask me about the intensive, the biggest things I say that has to do with it or that we learn is it's about not what we need. We learn about what we, no, we learn about what we want versus what we need. And we try to get rid of the mindset of what we want to what we need and what works for us and who will work for us and how this person works for us. And I think coming out with that mindset and that manifestation and that, you know, list of, you know, priorities for us as we grow and what we want in our future, it really helps us, you know, go on our first two dates. And I don't think I went on more than three dates until I met my current boyfriend because I knew by the end of date two, whether or not I, I want to be on a third date with this person and whether they meet that criteria and not physicality criteria, but all of your, your, what is it? Five pillars of mm-hmm. criteria. Yeah. I think what I took away from it was a confirmation of what I always kind of knew. It's important to front load the important conversation. So I, I like that the, intensive for me was like a balance between being open to what comes up, opening yourself up to life possibilities, whoever comes across your plate. So be open to physical traits. Don't have a type, but then also don't waste your time because I think that that's the balance. So you kind of help me reframe what I should be open to and then how to not waste my time with people who I kind of clearly weren't right for me. And that for me was very useful. And I definitely use that to meet my man. <laughs> I feel like that's a huge part of the intensive. You know, if these these women are signing up for such a, you know, intense boot camp of dating and um, not even dating of yourself and self-reflection and um, knowledge, you know, I feel like they're, they want to put that effort in. It's like, it's like when we were younger and people were like, sign up for match.com because you want to get married and people paid to do it to get married kind yeah. of thing. That's how it feels like to me. Like if I, if I'm, paying for this boot camp and paying to really work on myself, you know, why am I wasting time on all these dates afterwards? Like I want to go in with the intention of dating and finding my person. And I feel like that's what these women are doing. And I think that's why I became more public with my relationship. Like when we hit six months, I posted this like the most vulnerable so caption cute. I ever posted. You like hard <laughs> launched him. Like it went from like, oh, is Elena dating? And then it's like, oh, she's like, Oh, yeah, she, that's the guy, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I did, okay, was there some social media anxiety for the first couple months? Yes, but six months in, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm very happy, I like this relationship, and I took a very intentional approach to getting into it. Like, it didn't happen accidentally. I didn't, like, meet him on a subway stop, and he fell into my arms, or I fell into his arms. Like, I really was intentional about this, and it was a real journey, and so I kind of posted, not about him, but about me and how I got there, because I want to show like it's okay to be single and and it's okay to I I don't know I just sort of was writing the note to myself that I wish I'd heard um that it is a journey but there are things you can do to change your patterns and um yeah get yeah there are things you can do I try I don't know it was I was writing to myself and to other people Amanda I one of the things that I recall um about the beginning of your relationship was you publicly talking to Elena about um, that you had very different communication patterns. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 1000%. Um, You know, it was a really cool thing that Elena did. It was her IG live for the rant. And, you know, I was like, I am not the only person that deals with communication issues in dating. And, 
you know, my boyfriend, I think he said our what second. What was your communication fo- issue? There was no real issue. It was just on our second phone call. That was our date, our second quote unquote Maria date. Um, he told me, he's like, I'm not a big texter. And in my head, I was like, okay, not a big deal. But, you know, as we started really dating and talking every day, whether it was on the phone or texting, I realized that, like, I appreciated that he told me that he's not a texter because I wasn't anticipating or waiting and waiting for a text to be returned to me um, and giving me anxiety. I just made it known, I think, only a couple of days later that I'm okay with the fact that you don't text. But I need to know that we're going to talk by the end of the day. I need you to respond to my text by the end of the day or give me a phone call. And since day one, he's called me every single day by the end of the night. And we've had a conversation. And he still is not a texter. Like, he only texts to respond to me because I ask him a question. But I rarely – it's rare that he texts me first. Let's just say that. And I was part of this world of, you know, the texting back and forth there good morning, how are you? Or, you know, I have a question or why aren't you talking to me throughout the day kind of thing and giving me that attention. I was used to to that. And because we set the tone of, you know, I don't text and I'm not comfortable. Well, not, I'm not comfortable. Sorry. I'm just not a texter. You know, I didn't have that, you know, anxiety riding around, the, you know, the bubble, you know, or the incoming text. And it eased me. And we even, um, he and I talked about this because we were talking about the podcast and what we were going to talk about. And um, I was like, I was telling him and he said, um, oh, he told me he loves when he gets his first text from me in the morning. Because I sent him a good morning text in the morning. I I sent him a good morning text in like a selfie, an outfit selfie every morning. Aww. And he's like, it's his favorite part of the day. And he's so excited to get him every morning. And when I don't send them right away, he feels like maybe something's wrong. I think he starts getting a little bit of anxiety when, like, he doesn't get them, which I think is kind of ironic. But um, we set the tone real early, and it helped so much. It helped our communication. You know, we talk now. I text him first thing in the morning. Our pattern is I text first thing in the morning. He calls me at lunch. And then we talk typically after work, but sometimes maybe not. And then before bed every day if we're not together. But I love that, like. I love that. I love that, like, period. You know, one of the things that I always tell people is that, like, texting is not dating. You know, Mm -hmm. people will text all day before meeting someone. And they're like, well, we had a connection. But then when we met, it was not a connection. It's like, because you have never dated. You're just messaging people back and forth. And, you know, there, it's like, sometimes I hear people say, well, if he's not texting, he's not interested. And I go, yeah, but I've been in scenarios when I was single where people texted back and forth all day, but they weren't into me either. They just liked the ego stroke of being texted all day. Yeah. yeah, and texting compatibility has nothing to do with whether or not you'll be a good oh. couple, whether or not you'll be, be compatible in real life. Like, that's the ultimate dupe. You, like, have great intellectual, verbal compatibility, especially I'm a writer, so, like, I love it. And then you meet in person. You're like, where did the guy on my phone go? So, yeah, me and my boyfriend, we didn't text that much before he asked me out. He, he asked me out. He said, we met on Hinge. He said, um, you seem pretty cool and relatively normal do you want to get a drink and i just thought that was the funniest <laughs> thing i'd ever heard that was his first message <laughs> out the gate like do you want to no, get a no. drink we we bantered like a little okay. bit he what was, was like, his on first a job. message to you do you remember um i don't remember i think i don't i just remember our first conversation was he was on a job site in staten island and they'd found a gun that day and we were talking about like the mafia or the Sopranos and it was just, he made me laugh. And then he see, said, you seem pretty cool and relatively normal. Do you want to get a drink? And I was like, yeah, that, that's great. I, I am pretty when, cool and relatively normal. What app normal. was this on? Hinge. And, and when did you go on your date? How long after? Um, it was, I would say it was like a week after that, maybe like wow, five days. It, I don't remember. I remember I almost yeah. canceled on him and I had this like absolute gut feeling that I could not cancel on him. I had to go on the date. So it, there was some scheduling thing. So it took a couple of days, but mm-hmm. I was, I was, uh, yeah. Um, Amanda, where did you meet your boyfriend? Um, on okay. Cupid. Um, okay. he will never let me live down our first conversation because he, I was in a weird funk. It was the day it was, December 26th, it was the day after Christmas. I, it was a weird Christmas. It was still kind of like a COVID Christmas. 
and um, I was in a weird mood, and he sent me a text. I wasn't even looking on the apps. He just, I was just like mindlessly swiping for no reason, and he sent me a message, and it was a really nice message. It was very engaging, and you you could tell that he read my profile, and you know, you know, had questions. My response was, "Merry Christmas. Hope you're having a good one with the family." Like it was not like there was no response to anything he asked, and there was like no re- returned engagement. Aren't you Jewish? Yeah. I mean, I, I still get a tree and everything. I love Christmas. I think Christmas is one of the best holidays ever. Um, but then he responded again, and I tell him to this day, I'm like, thank God you responded to my lame text message or message back that, like, you know, had nothing to do with anything. And that day, he was so engaging. We just messaged back and forth. And then the day after, we had our first FaceTime. And then the day after that, we had our second FaceTime. And then, like, five five days later, six days later, we went on our first physical date. Did you... Um, so, I have a, a few questions here, but did both of you do, like, 12-date rule on your people? Yeah. Amanda, Elena's <laughs> like, nope. Not only did I not do the 12-date rule, I feel like I'm confessing my sins. Okay, this is, like, I actually felt... It's okay that you did it. It's okay. So I Rules actually... are meant to be broken. Yeah, but Maria, <laughs> when you find out... If it works out, it works out. Not everyone... It... You know, it doesn't work for everyone. So I broke the 12 date rule during the intensive. <laughs> <laughs> what? Wait. So I, what? I started dating, I started dating Dave before the intensive. I, we had our third date or fourth date during the intensive. And so I was sort of realizing like, oh, I think I like this guy. And then I had a dark night of the soul. I was like, what should I do? And then I broke the the 12 date rule and I was like I took a gamble it ended up working but I did feel really guilty about it it ended up working for me though so I'm sorry Maria (laughs) I don't understand why you're apologizing like rules are meant to be broken and I love that like okay to go back to the 12 date rule thing um if you are wondering what that is please go to my Instagram there's a whole highlight reel about what that is but um you know the whole purpose of that is just to help people decode if they're emotionally compatible without the distraction of you know oxytocin in the body that can make us feel like we're more emotionally compatible than what we are and if you felt like you were ready then that's totally fine you know i'm just happy it worked out and that's awesome um how about like in terms of background so you know elena i know that you're a greek orthodox christian amanda i know that you're jewish are you dating people who share the same faith as you? And is that important to you? Uh, I, and and, and the way I measure, the way I measure if it's important to you is like how, what religion do you want to raise your kids in? So it's funny. I love talking about this with you because, um, I was just so adamant pre intensive about the Judaism thing. And to answer your question, yes, I want to raise my kids Jewish. It's very important to me. Um, and pre-intensive, I was like, I can only date Jews. I'm going to marry Jewish, yada, yada, yada. Went on the dating refresh, dated Jews, dated non-Jews. Um, and my boyfriend's not Jewish. And I realized dating him that, you know, I would, I do not want to lose so many other things about him, you know, in place of the Judaism kind of thing. Does that make sense? But can you still raise him, Jew- your children Jewish? I mean, we've had the conversation. We're not there yet. But yes, you know, I would, you know, in the grand scheme of things, yes, that's the plan in my future. You know, whether it be him or whoever I end up with, because, you know, it could be a non-Jew that I end up with. My kids, you know, the plan is my kids will be raised Jewish. And they will be Jewish by blood, you know. But that's like a whole other theological, you know, know, conversation. But I feel like for Greek, yeah, for Greek people, I mean, I definitely understand why you frame this through religion but for greek orthodox people the greek culture is also entwined with the religion thing so i mean my whole question growing up was oh am i gonna end up with a greek person or a cypriot person clearly there were people cypriot people are greek stop it (laughs) you guys have the same national anthem as greece I mean, have you ever heard a Cypriot person speak Greek, though? I mean, is it even Greek? That, so, okay, I, I could be in Crete. I don't understand what the hell, you know, any of my 
brother, brother, uh, my sometimes my husband's family says. So yes, I yes, point granted. But we can talk about this all day. But yes, uh, okay. So Greek, Greek Cypriot. <laughs> so they're definitely. I don't think anybody gave me pressure on purpose, except for my grandma. I think explicitly my aya. But so my my parents are a mixed marriage. Yeah, my mom like, is your Greek. Mom like my Puerto dad Rican? is Greek. She's what Puerto Rican mom? and Jewish. So uh, my mom is also a mixed marriage. So I have like a lot of mixed marriages in my family. So I kind of grew up knowing there were absolute challenges to it, but that it can happen, that it is possible. If you really love someone, you are forming a family with that person. They're getting on your boat. So like they're the most important person. You have to I gotta have get that your parents tie. on the podcast next time. Oh my gosh. Like, that'd I be so a, cool. A Cypriot Greek who's Greek Orthodox Christian with a Puerto Rican Jewish woman. Yeah, that that presented a lifetime of challenges. And so I experienced growing up too. what happens when your parents aren't on the same page about religion and like there it's not easy. So I'm grateful for the experience and it definitely colored my approach to dating. Um, I knew that my priority was to be with someone who could fall in love with going to Greece and Cyprus and was open to that. But then actually being Greek, I realized was ultimately not going to be my number one priority and I think that's because I it was a number of things I think that I just feel strong in my identity and I don't need someone else's validation for it and I still have so many ties there um and I also I never met a Greek person I wanted to date so that tied into it now in, in terms of the like what I'm gonna raise my kids as me and my boyfriend haven't really talked about that but we did go to a Greek Orthodox wedding the other day and I was like this is the the one hour long like Everything it does you do it three times. It's very long. I think it was his first. Like, you know, experience. it's funny that you mentioned long, just like unrelated to all of this. But um, so, like, if you don't know this, but Greek baptisms are like an hour long. Okay, they're very long. Yeah. The kid is screaming. They're being dunked in water three times. It's like emotional. Is that is that the point where they're just up there? Like, I don't. I've never been to a baptism. Okay, so, so it's funny that you bring this up because. After the day after the wedding, we went to a Catholic baptism, and the whole time I was oh, laughing. You're, you're, you're jumping to my my hold on my punchline. That's my punchline. So one of my close friends, her son was baptized at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and at Greek baptisms, I'm so used to like it being an hour that usually George and I, if we're not that close with them, we'll just show up a few minutes late because we know first of all Greeks don't start on time; they start 15 minutes late. So we usually show up to baptisms 15 minutes late so we can get started because it's going to be another hour, you know? So we get to St. Patrick's, I think it started at like 12 p.m. We got to St. Patrick's Cathedral at 12.07. It was done. They had already, <laughs> they just poured a little water on his head apparently. And that was the end. There was no unclothing. There was no dunking. There was no godparents holding a screaming baby for an hour while the parents can't touch the kid because it's a sin or whatever. Is that what you were going to say too? That like Catholic baptisms are seven minute affairs <laughs> yeah well i was just laughing the whole time he's not catholic he's lutheran but i was laughing because i'm like oh dave you cannot imagine the warfare of a oh, i don't want maybe that's the wrong word the crying no, that's, and that's the right intensity of a greek orthodox baptism where they're fully dunking the baby in a in a cold thing of water and the tears and the cold. mysticism and then they're covering it in oil and it's all like all of the greek baptism i had this really funny pamphlet um that i gave out at, to both of my kids baptisms which is like so you so you're at a greek baptism things you should know and and it talks about like everything that you're going to see like for instance the reason why we douse our children in olive oil after they've been dunked three times in water is because the ancient greeks uh the wrestlers would cover themselves in oil so that the opponent couldn't like tackle them and the, you anoint the child with oil. Like I'm talking about like a proper three cups of water all over the kid so that the devil cannot touch the child in, you know, Greco-Roman wrestling or whatever. Like the symbolism behind it is like very ancient Greek. Um, and it's like all the symbolism throughout the thing, but it's an hour long because of all the symbolism. And I just remember showing up to the Catholic baptism being like, wow, that's okay. Like, I remember my neighbors who are Catholic, very devout Roman Catholic, they came to my my daughter's baptism and they were just like, I think they were judging me. They're like, how could you let your kid cry? Like, why don't you just go up and touch it? And I'm like, I cannot, I'm not allowed to touch my kid during the baptism, the godparent. It was fine though. She threw up a little bit <laughs> from the stress. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think he just wants someone who can like embrace the whole thing. Like I introduced my boyfriend to my Big Fat Greek wedding. He'd never seen it before. And my family oh, wow. isn't like that. But like I like Ian's approach. Ian loves his new Big Fat Greek family. He thinks that they're a blast. And I think Dave thinks my family's funny. And he's like learned how to do the dancing. Obviously, the real test is if he goes to Cyprus and visits my family. I think that that'll be a trial by fire. But um, yeah, I think he that looks for like me... he'll be fine. I've seen him a little bit on social media. He looks very adaptable. I agree. I agree. I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I, I did a trial by fire as well. Uh, huh. Our third date, we went to a friend of mine's um, house for Shabbat on Friday. And they don't do like a really religious Shabbat. But like the dad will like say prayers and whatnot. And you know, he wears a keeper and we light candles, but it's not like super religious, but I really enjoy, you know, Shabbat's on Friday and I try to light candles every Friday myself. So that was our third date. And I think he was like a little shocked, but then when he met my family was on Passover and that was like, you know, it's my favorite holiday. We're all there. And I don't have a big family. Granted, there was like six of us total, but, um, you know, I think it just really showed him how important it is to me, you know? I think the familial aspect is, um, is pretty important for a lot of people. It's funny, I actually did date and marry someone who is who shares in my ethnicity and my faith, but he didn't grow up like I grew up. So he didn't know a single Greek dance. I had to teach him one dance the day before our wedding. Um, like I'm sitting there teaching uh-huh. him the, the easiest dance, Susta. So... <laughs> he could dance with me at our wedding but then you know he was such a good sport because at our wedding he danced the entire night and it didn't matter like what the steps were he just was like just standing and just like just moving his feet but it's like yeah you can marry someone greek and they're you know for instance he wouldn't you know he kind of went he never like i grew up with sunday school right but there it's like well churches are everywhere you don't have to like sustain your culture by going to church and like doing greek school like he that was his default because he was raised in in greece and um and it's funny, like, people used to say to me, like, oh, you're so lucky he's Greek. And it's like, well, it's in spite of it. Like, I wasn't looking for someone who was Greek. I, I dated someone who was British before him and someone who was Irish and someone who was German. Um, he just happened to be Greek because I, you know, of the people that I met him through, that's who they were friends with at the time. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it worked out. I think I'm going to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good choice. Yeah, right. yeah. he's going to be so relieved. He seems uh, seems like a catch. So, um, so now, like, what do you, without telling people like about the intensive, what advice do you give to your friends when they are experiencing issues? Like, what is something that's like your go to that you tend to share? I think my biggest for me, my biggest thing is, you know, the friends that I have that are single are still focused on height or Judaism or, um, you know, jobs, um, a lot of physicality things, um, things that aren't, you know, soul driven or, you know, part of your tears. I, I kind of like try to help them focus on those things and say, or try to, you know, encourage the fact that those things aren't important. The physicalities are important. The salary is not important. You know, what you really need versus want, you know, focus on that. And it's not about the social pressures that we get, whether it be from our local, you know, church or Chabad or, you know, our friends, you know, who are on the apps and just swiping for those guys who are six one, six two kind of thing. Yeah. I I mean look, that was me. I'm a tall woman like Maria, I'm five foot ten. So the height thing was a thing for a while. But actually it was Maria following her and she was like, Get rid of the height thing. So I did. And I think that one of my, to echo what you're saying, Amanda, like blow up what you think your type is, like get rid of type. I don't think that that's a useful thing. I think it's more useful to do the exercise that we did. I did independently. And then I did again during the intensive, which was like really writing down a list of the things you feel like you need on a soul level, like the real things that you want in a partner and the things that are going to last, like appearances don't I know that that's so basic and I sound like everyone's grandma but like it doesn't last and you I mean look okay I think my boyfriend's really sexy so it's not about him but (laughs) I think that I just I had this like revelation as I got older the things I was chasing are not the things that I should have been chasing so anyway I think that blowing up what you think of like your your pattern I think and then 
I really do think I'm, oh my gosh, I sound so millennial, but I, I think I manifested my boyfriend. Like, I think that I opened myself up. Hey, hold up, hold up. That is like a whole session. So wait, 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 wait. Now that you said that, now you've got to say, you want to say it, Amanda? What do we do? What's the big homework? The last thing we do after we learn everything, after we boot camp and, and basically clear our minds of what we thought we, we wanted. And now we know we need, like we sit down and write a, a letter basically either to ourself, to our future, to, you know, our, I wrote it. I literally wrote dear future husband, you know, Oh wow, and you I did wrote, it in that person. Okay. And yeah, so that's I called, said, so what, so what Amanda's describing, uh, for those listening is, uh, we do a manifest your partner exercise and then it's when they, they, they do the homework and then the next day they present it to everyone and it's a very vulnerable place. Sometimes people cry. It's like a whole thing. And, mm. um, I give corrections because I think sometimes people don't realize that they speak in a negative mindset. Like it just sometimes yeah. you don't realize it. And I think, well, you know, I've said this in the past, probably on the podcast, if not this one, another one where our brain is unable to distinguish negative. So for instance, when someone says to me, you know, I don't want someone who's a cheater. Okay. Well, the only way for your brain to recognize that someone is a cheat, not a cheater is they have to look for cheaters. Cheater, 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 cheater. Okay, now suddenly you're only attracting cheaters. And so it's this is like the one woo-woo thing I believe in. So I try to like, you know, fix some of the manifests. And then after the ladies do their manifests, then they set them out into the universe. And this is different the group ways. takes over. In different ways. So every group is yeah. different. Um, I don't know what your groups did, but I've seen groups do... What, what, Amanda, what did your group do? How did your group put your manifest? Our group the didn't universe? do any, I don't think our group did anything specific, but I personally sent it to all of my, my, basically anything, anyone that's important to me, my close college girlfriends, my mom, my friends who are single, just, I wanted to send it out to the universe in any way possible without putting it on social media mm-hmm. kind of thing. So everywhere else I could send it, I sent it. And yeah. I still go back and read it. I I am shocked. Like I read it and I was like, This is my boyfriend. <laughs> I literally like I just I couldn't believe it. And obviously not everything and not everything's gonna be perfect and maybe he won't fulfill every aspect of it, but it's my boyfriend is I manifested him hundred percent. So I my first list that I wrote was in June of twenty twenty one and it was thirty six things and it and my boyfriend does have all those things, including like weirdly specific ones. I wrote down, has a lot of siblings, has long hair. Okay. That is one physical thing, but <laughs> crack me up that he has all of those things. But I think, I think, and what else did I write? Like likes driving. I mean, I got very what? specific. You wrote this in your, oh God. Okay. No, I, I wrote, this was in my first list. I, okay. I, I didn't read this one to you. And the one that I wrote for the intensive, I did write something that both you and Chrisula liked. I wrote that he's good in a crisis, and that is like very important to me because I do think of like your your partner is like your first you know line of defense. I watch a lot of apocalypse movies, so I'm like, all right, you're the person I'm turning to if things are gonna get crazy. And when things get crazy, I know I can count on him. It's like so important to me. And I remember you both were like, that's a good thing to put. So that has been proven good. He's like great in a crisis. But um, I do think like when the first time I did that exercise, I had been so cynical and closed off, you guys. Like my parents called me um, Elsa from Frozen. I called myself Lady Stoneheart. Like I was very closed off following a bad relationship. And so the first time I did that was when I accepted maybe I deserve these things. Like maybe there is someone out there with these things. Maybe relationships won't hurt me. Like how do I explain it? Maybe there's someone out there who won't diminish me and um, who will actually improve my life, being in a relationship can be a good thing. So when I wrote that down, that was the first step I took like toward acknowledging that reality. And I think it's really, it was like a powerful thing because until then I really couldn't convince myself to like want a relationship again. So it is crazy to see how he has all 36 things. I mean, Did your I don't group know. do anything to put the manifest out there? I don't remember. I, I think it's more like a, Amanda's. I don't remember if we did a specific thing, but what did I do? I think I read it out loud to my sister. I just remember me and my sister like did a lot of bonding with it because um, we had that. to be vulnerable with each other too. You Didn't know, you say seen... one of the groups, like um, they all mailed each other 
They're a manifest yeah, we've had or something. A few groups. We've had a few groups, uh, you know, write it out 12 times on postcards and send it to each other. Um, we had this one group. It always happens during an equinox. So it's not just one group. It's been a few groups when it coincides with like, you know, a full moon or an equinox or something like that, where they all write it on a piece of paper on a different piece of paper because they also keep it in their back pocket, right? That's what we always say, like, keep it on you. But they did one on a piece of paper. And then they all went out at this, like, exact time and they burned the paper so that the smoke would be part of the atmosphere. <laughs> um, like, some people, you know, some groups have been, like, super creative. Like, one group last spring, they got manure paper and they wrote on manure paper and then they did a flower pot so that the flower would grow with their manifest. Like, it's just so unique. I'll tell you what I did. So I did this exercise in 2012, right? The same exact thing that you ladies did, I did, right? That's what I'm teaching. And I remember the day I did it. I did it on December 5th, 2012. And once I had it, once, okay, I have it, I then sent it out to... Like, ev like, just like you, Amanda, I sent to every single person I knew, including my parents, including my sister. And I was like, this is the person I'm meant to be with. And like, who and then I started thinking like, okay, who do I know that's friends with this guy? And I could, at that moment, in that quick thinking, I could think of like two people. And I reached out to both of them and I was like, here's the manifest. I didn't, I don't think I actually sent them the manifest. I said to them, next time you're out with your friends, I need you to invite me. And one of them a few days later, you know, after my, after December 5th. So like, I think on like December 10th was like, Hey, yeah, it was December 10th. He was like, Hey, I'm going out with my friends. Uh, it's in Boston. You told me to invite you and I'm going out with my friends. I am. And you know, hell yeah. I got myself on an Amtrak and I went to Boston and I met, I think like nine of his friends, half of them were single and we you know one of them would end up being George. And I remember reading my manifest because I want you to know that between December 5th and December 14th, I read my manifest to myself like every 10, every like two hours. Like I had memorized the words by the time I met my husband because I was so scared that like I did not remember. So that every time I met a guy, it was like, am I getting this feeling? Like, like I just knew that this is the person. So then when I met George, I was like, okay. And I remember I've said this before on the podcast, like I wasn't initially physically attracted to my husband. Um, but I remember thinking, like, nowhere in my manifest does it say anything about, like, physical looks. Nowhere in the Matrix to, to create the manifest did I talk about physical looks. Like, this is clearly not important to me. He just doesn't look like any of my ex-boyfriends. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And then, of course, I went on, like, two more dates. And suddenly I was like, oh, my God, he's the cutest ever. I'm, like, obsessed with you. And I remember reading my manifest a few weeks after I met George. And I was like, this is exactly the man. Like, this is it. This is, this is the one. And I mean, of course, I didn't, you know, I don't, I wasn't dating in the beginning thinking oh, I'm going to marry this person, but I will admit like four months in, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is it. Like I, so between date one and to, until four months for me, I was like, I'm just dating to confirm how I feel. I'm just dating to confirm how I feel. Once it was like four or five months, I remember thinking, this is we now, this is team penguin. We were, we were already team penguin among our friends. Like that's what we call ourselves. Like that there was no question like I was like one day him and I are getting married and we're having kids like we weren't talking about it so much until after six months but like I knew I was like yeah I'm done like we're done dating this is the part this is what I've always wanted and I have it and I'm so happy that like that still works on other people too <laughs> it, it makes me wonder why it works because I have been talking about this conversation manifesting people I, I am trying to figure out a grand unifying theory but I do think it's like very powerful to write down those qualities and like really believe that it's possible and then it's also clarifying in terms of knowing what you want because i think unless you write that down like you could just be looking for anyone like aiden from sex in the city you know whatever pop culture fills in for the right kind of guy you could accidentally adopt so it's a good like exploratory thing for yourself and then it's also like an act of hope like you really do believe there's someone out there who fulfills those things and all three of us have found our manifest manifested and all also are all of our men are different you know it's like yeah it's, it's really cool yeah I totally I totally agree with all of that I think it has a lot to do with you know we all in our own way changed our mindset and you know it it goes back to what I said about the people that sign up for this have already are ready for that change in mindset but you know we we know what we want and, you know, we know early, you know, Maria, like what you said about 
George and how, you, you know, within three months you were like, okay, you know, this is my guy. I, I told my friends, I don't really tell my friends about, talk to my friends about my dating experience as much because most of my friends or I would say 90% of my friends who are my age um, were, are married and or have kids. So talking to them about dating was always very hard. You know, they didn't understand the online dating. So I didn't really talk about it much. And I started talking about my boyfriend early. And I told a lot of my friends early. The only person I didn't tell was my mom. But I think that was a huge sign of like how important he was. But I, I said really early on, I think within a month, I was like, this person is going to be a significant part of my life, whether he's a forever or he changes my perspective on the future, you know, and what I what I really want in my life. So yeah. I think I think my journey because of my own blockages was different it took me like I had to overcome dating him brought up a lot for me that I had to like conquer it was like a game of Mario like I had to keep like squashing the mushroom when it came up I kept being like okay this is an avoidant tendency like you can't run away even if you want to like there were all these things that came up so I'm happy I talked to my friends about it but I'm really happy I kept a journal because I could like have a conversation with myself and then look back and I could see exactly when things started to change exactly when I started to like open myself up more and not run away and it's funny that we earlier we were talking about the communication thing so before me and Amanda got on Instagram live to talk about communication I was talking to my boyfriend I don't even know if he was my boyfriend at that point I think we were we hadn't had that talk yet and I we were talking about texting and he goes you know you never text me in the morning it's always me and it's true I've been playing a game of not texting him in the morning and seeing if he texts me to see if he still you know let's see if he cares which is screwed up but those are the kind of games you play when you still have like when you're still a little closed off and that prompted this important discussion and it was all sort of part of like my own personal melting so once I got to like four months, five months, like I, I was at that point that you both experienced, but I was surprised at myself at how long it took me to overcome my blockages and like finding the guy is, is not easy. It takes time and it takes intentionality. And then once you're in it, committing to it and seeing where it goes, that's, that takes bravery, honestly, like you have to be really vulnerable and it, it can be scary. So I'm proud of myself, like pat on the back for my younger self for like seeing it through because there were so many times and I wanted to run away with my tail between my legs because I was really scared. I think something you and uh, I spoke about, Elena, the last time we saw each other was how, you know, we both read attached. We both knew what our styles were. And, you know, I, you know, I think my boyfriend, I knew right away going into it, he's a secure and he, I had to like think about the things that I would start getting anxious about or avoidant about and have to like, physically tell myself why are you doing this he's not making you think any of this you're doing it to yourself and that's a huge part of like the growth in this relationship and the growth with this person even yeah I think if I hadn't it all comes down to divine timing if I hadn't done matchmaker Maria's intensive right at this very formative point in the relationship I don't know if I'd still be dating him and I know I should be and if I hadn't been reading Michael Singer's The Untethered Soul, I also don't know if I'd been dating him because both of those together, they like gave me these tools and I'm very grateful. And I think timing is like the real, uh, it is a key and it's something that we can't control, but I'm very grateful that all these things lined up because you gave me the tools to have conversations. I made him take all the personality tests that you, <laughs> that you gave for us. I was ready to have those conversations. We talked about marriage and kids on our third date. Like you helped me get serious fast. And then Michael Singer taught me how to shut my brain off when I was going through a thought spiral. So those two together, I really was able to like get through the rocky couple first weeks. I I, I agree that the timing is the timing was key. It was and you know where we are in our life, what we're ready for, what we're open to, and the intensive was like it just it kind of um, I don't know it pushed it forward. It gave it that little boost that it need your 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 self shove you know, of mm. where you need to be now and your mindset, even not physically, but obviously your mindset. Yeah. You know, I there's a everyone. lot of, and the, I'm really happy to hear, you You know, with your positive testimonials. And I will say that there, you know, obviously there's plenty of women who have done the group that are still single, but I, in speaking to so many of them every day, because um, we have a Slack channel <laughs> where we talk and we'll do meetups sometimes as well. And, you know, we get emails all the time privately 
the one thing that I feel like I hear the most is just how much dating has changed for them in, in a positive way. Like even if they're going on dates, if it doesn't work out, they were giving themselves permission to be like, yeah, this isn't going to work out because from a science-based perspective, which is what so much of our coaching program is built on, you know, this person's just not the person and I don't have to make excuses for them. I don't have to justify my feeling of anxiety over this. Like I can date differently and better. And when the guy, you know, one person closer to my person, that's usually what I usually, you know, what I try to promote. Yeah. Um, well, ladies, I really appreciate you being here and talking about, you know, the vulnerable journey that you went on doing the Agape Intensive. I don't think I've ever used my podcast to talk about um, like our services in such a deep manner. And I'm just so happy to have both of you uh, on the podcast to talk about it. Of course. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so happy to do so it. Much. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you for giving us, well, giving me the tools I need in my relationship. I've never been so happy and I am really, really grateful. And it's so great to meet you, Amanda. So thanks for being part of my tribe. Ditto. Can we tell Hi. everyone to go to Tulum? Go to Tulum. Yeah, I was going to say that right now. I love that Amanda, Amanda's, <laughs> Amanda's joining Tulum. us in Tulum. But if you haven't, so, okay, so there's two, so if you wanted to an agape intensive, there's two ways to do it. The first way is to go to agapeintensive.com and just sign up for a virtual program. Um, we actually just listed our fall dates and you'll see the dates for September, October, November, December, and January. And you can certainly sign up for this uh, for our virtual. But if you'd rather see me in person and do the intensive in person, we have our Tulum retreat November 4th to the 7th. And it's uh, at an all-inclusive resort in Tulum, Mexico. And you can learn more about that by going to agapeescapes.com. Both links, Agape Intensive and Agape Escapes, will be in the show notes for you to check out. Um, is there anything you want to promote, ladies, before you leave? Elena, I know you've got a really cool podcast. you want to promote that? Yeah, so I'm the co-host of a podcast called Blind Date with a Book, and Maria was a guest on it. We use dating app questions to help match guests up with their next dream read. So the same kind of questions that you're answering to find a partner we use to find a book and it's much easier luckily to get a book than to get a partner you just go to the bookstore for that so um that you it's available wherever you listen to podcasts i want to be on that podcast sign me up it was like the best podcast i've ever been on i had so much fun on it um i'll have to include I, a link to the show notes on that one too amanda I do you have anything book. to promote i mean just just me i guess i want to be involved with as much maria as possible so follow maria Follow me. Uh, ladies, I am so happy to have you on the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And for those listening, check out the show notes if you'd like to register for an Agape Intensive virtual or an Agape Intensive in Tulum, Mexico this November. You can also learn more about uh, Agape Match's other services by visiting agapematch.com. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Be lovable and more importantly, be likable. See you next week.